Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, Bold Move Expert and Coming Out Coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet dwellers and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted. I am your host, Rick Clemens, and today we're going to do a little conscious awakening. We're going to do that wake up, wake up call that many of us heard when we were kids. You know, our parents going, come on, wake up, wake up. But what if we had been woken up to be conscious? What if we'd been woken up to be mindful kids? And what if we had just been woken up to go, hmm, I'm a conscious warrior now. Now, I know this probably sounds kind of strange to us adults thinking back to our own childhood. But in today where there's so much talk about mindfulness and consciousness and being really in tuned, awakened or woke people, is it any surprise that people are now talking about what if? What if we actually brought this to the younger generation, to little children? kids that they could begin to get this at their own age and in their own way. And if somebody had told me a couple of years ago, in fact, it probably would have been five years ago now that I would have met somebody who has actually made this his mission to do exactly that. I would have said, there's no way this guy was doing some crazy stuff at World Domination Summit that you all know and have heard me talk about. He was doing a poetry thing. And then the next thing I realized is he is actually Mr. Conscious Awakening for Children. He's written some beautiful children's books. I'm proud to call him a friend at this stage. We see each other every year at World Domination Summit. And I just want to bring him onto the show to talk about how can we help our children come out of the closets and into conscious living, even from a very young age. So. Let's quit talking. Let's get going and bring my friend Andrew Newman onto the show. Andrew, welcome, buddy. I'm so glad to have you here finally. So good to be here with you, Rick. What a great welcome. Thank you. Oh, of course, man. And you know what? I just love what you're doing, and I still do. I still remember our very first encounter. You were at WDS. You were doing the poetry thing, and I thought, this is so cool. It was just amazing. It was my first WDS, so I was like, I'm not sure what to expect here, but... Uh, <laughs> Writing and everything has kind of been part of your whole journey all through life, right? Just always uh, yeah, I got into journaling and then my journaling got into poetry and then I got into inspiring other people's poetry as the poem catcher. And then one of my poems needed some pictures and that became my first kid's book. And That's amazing. Uh, that's amazing yeah, and just so followed, why, followed my own. Why children's book? Why, why is that where you started? Uh, uh, I refuse to grow up. I, uh, I'm also, okay, and I will vouch for that. This guy does refuse to grow up. I mean, every year I'm like, Hey, he's not growing up anymore. Thank God. So, <laughs> you know, I, I see the world in pictures as well, Rick. I'd like, mm-hmm. like cartoons were always my favorite thing as kids. And so when, when, I, when someone teaches me something or I learn a lesson for myself, I kind of like play it out on my mind screen as a, as a series of cartoon sketches. And I think, uh, I think, wow, I should share that sketch with somebody that uh, maybe that that learn what I learned. Mm-hmm. I love that, man, because, you know, I think too often we as adults, you know, we're kind of talking about bringing consciousness and stuff into children's lives. But we as adults, 
we lose our childhood. We leave all this behind instead of going, why do I have to grow up? Okay, yes, we know we grow up. That's just kind of a natural evolution sort of thing. But we lose our childlike innocence in so many ways. And I have to say, I do see that with you. Every time I'm around, it's like, you're just this vibrant energy of, well, let's still be having fun. Let's do some stuff. So why do you think so many of us as adults are like, oh, no, I can't be this childlike wonder anymore? You know, I think we've all got it inside us, Rick. I don't think it's too far away. Right. Um, I do think that life gets um, uh, not so much more serious, but the layers of responsibility come on as we grow up, uh, and rightly so. Uh, the, at the same time, as we've developed as kids, we've become a little bit defended about being our true selves and being our own natural self. And... Uh, you know, you, you, you're all about the power of coming out and being a true self about uh, being who you are. Um, if we have to be, we have to be tapped into our uh, childhood energy to reconnect with that, that absolute essence in my, in my thinking. I love that. I love that captain to your childhood energy because I think so many of us, we do know it's right there. I mean, and for some of us, it's okay, we have a drink and then suddenly the child comes out or, you know, we can go to a concert and suddenly we're dancing like crazy. And then we get away from the concert. And it's like, okay, I'm back to my buttoned up life. And yet it's never far away. It's always right there. It's like, it's always going to be that thing. That childlike wonder is always going to be there. Uh, I remember a friend of mine just this past weekend, he had never been to Disneyland. He'd been to Disney World, but he'd never been to Disneyland. He's getting ready to leave the Central Coast area here in California, move to Seattle. And so he decided to go to Disneyland. And just watching his Instagram pics, I thought, okay, he's letting the little child within completely come out, you know. And he never, he doesn't ever not act like a kid. I love his energy. He's, he's very similar to you where it's just, he's always like, okay, let's go have some fun. Let's go do some stuff. But it was so beautiful to see him step into that space even deeper because we lose this. And I think this is where we as adults also begin to lose. What does it mean to be conscious? And what does it mean to be mindful? Because, well, that sounds kind of serious, but I think, and you, you bring your perspective to this, Andrew, I think consciousness and mindfulness is actually child's play. I think it's something where we can go play in this. And the more we play in it, the easier it is to become conscious and mindful. I'm curious what you think. Yeah, I like that. And and for me, the the easiest doorway is uh, following my creativity. And so, whatever your creative impulse is, it's like for some people, it's it's you know, it's woodwork. For some, it's sculpting. For some, it's pottery. For others, making a meal. You know, our our creative um, spark is it's like something we can actually follow. It comes from that youthful place. And right. um, yeah, well, we don't have to be serious about it, and we can if we choose to be. But, but I think when as soon as, as soon as we add the seriousness to it, and I, I'm thinking of something Elizabeth Gilbert said of "Eat, Pray, Love," but she says it in Big Magic. She talks about creativity, and as soon as we start making our creativity be responsible for our livelihood, there's a high chance that we're going to lose our creativity because now we just assigned it something else instead of realizing I enjoy my creativity, and oh, by the way. If it brings me my livelihood, that's kind of the bonus. I think so many of us lose this piece, and it's where if I'm fun, then I lose my adulthood. If I'm risk-taking, then I'm not being responsible. But what I love about what you're doing is you're trying to help 
ingrain these pieces of, okay, let's bring childhood stuff, you know, the wonder and awe of childhood to meet the consciousness and mindfulness of adulthood. But let's make it happen sooner rather than later is the way I, yeah. I mean, I mean all of the grownups that came to my therapy practice were dealing with problems that started before they were six years old. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's madness. Let's, uh, uh, let's use the, uh, the rapid learning that childhood is to, to, to bring values um, in and at a very easily accessible, playful way. So that, so that kids, when they, when they grow up, they're falling back on uh, strong core inner values. Um, so they picked up, up through story time. Why not? Right. And so I love that you brought this piece of story time into play because you and I do kind of similar work, working with people in different places in their life. But one of the things I know is adults children do too, but adults get really caught up in their story. And the more they get caught up in that story, there doesn't leave any room for being conscious and mindful because the story is everything at that point. Yeah. So when you're working with someone and they're caught up in that story and we're going to get to, you know, why this is so important to bring this in at a younger age, how do you start to break them through to that? Okay. But that's just your story. How do you break them out of that story? Because I know your whole thing is let's get them into that mindful place. Let's get them into being more conscious, more spiritual, whatever that is for them. But it's about helping them break through to those spaces. Rick, I feel like I've got two different directions on, on that. And the one direction, and if I'm working one-to-one therapeutically, is to go inward and to go to the felt sense, go to what the feeling is to what's happening in the body. Because beneath the mind and the, the mind level of uh, uh, this repetitive um, narrative, which is usually defensive and strategic to keep one safe, beneath that there are feelings, and, and in those feelings, if, uh, if someone's brave enough to go and drop into that, there will, there will be a path to freedom. Uh, the, the other answer for me is, uh, is to create worlds where I can show other possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do this subtly. I mean, giving someone advice never works for no. anybody. No. And, and so uh, this, is, this is part of why uh, in my stories I create worlds where uh, heroic characters have heartfelt victories and those victories can uh, be used for readers of any age to look at and to find themselves in the situation that the, that the character's having in the story so that they can then consider a new vantage point for their own, their own perspective. I love that. And because of the perspectives you take, sometimes your characters in these stories for children are other kids or they're these abstract thoughts. So like the one book I have sitting here in front of me is the hug who got stuck. You just gave life to a hug being a being. It's something, you know, which is what kids always do. Kids always assign these things to the most abstract stuff. And then suddenly there's like this moment as we grow up that suddenly, Oh, we can't do that. That's stupid. Yet why not? I mean, I look at Cirque du Soleil and I, and I look at the performances that happen there. So much of what that is about is we're not assigning any constructed beliefs or thoughts or anything to what happens in a Cirque du Soleil show. It just is. And we wrap our arms around it. We go, bravo, it's wonderful. And we walk out of the show and like, okay, back to life as normal. Right. And I think what you're trying to do is, is encourage that what is normal? 
what is, you know, what are these things that kids can wrap their arms around, you know, no pun intended because I'm looking at the hug who got stuck, but, and continue to carry it forward with them. So when you started this endeavor, did you have a like, okay, I know this is the direction I'm going, or did you write the first one and go, okay, let's see what this does. And then suddenly whoosh, it took off. What was kind of the direction of all this? Well, the, the journey the journey involves WDS, the World Domination Summit, right in the, right in the heart of this. I, mean, yep, I had yep. uh, the first story was a poem. It needed some pictures. We did that. It took in a couple of years before I did it again, and then I did it again, and then I did it again. And then all of a sudden, I've got four books that are kind of kind of thematically similar, artistically different. Um, no streaming, no connectedness. I come into the World Domination Summit. Uh, I meet Jonathan Fields, who at the time is teaching around the art of revolution. Yep. Um, I sign up for his strategy course. I go off to the uh, the Frankfurt Book Fair, which is eight football stadiums of, wow. of small publishers and big publishers, everything in the world. And I try and go and work out what's my place in this. And, 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 and I love Jonathan's first question. He's like, who do you serve? Mm-hmm. Who do you serve? What am I about? Right. So yeah. that was my starting point of going, you know, I have this, this deep healing therapeutic narrative background, this thing that moves me in the world. I have this love and passion for creativity. Um, and I want to help kids. Um, how do I do that? Given that I've got these, uh, these mishmash of stories so far. Um, and, and that helped me understand uh, the direction for the creation of the, the, uh, Conscious Bedtime Story Club for the Book of the Month Club that uh, that families are now part of for the individual titles um, for 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 also going you know I love the big animation studios but they don't tell you what we're teaching mm-hmm. and they leave you to work it out for yourself and uh, there isn't even a discussion about that and so I want to make it super obvious that um, you know the back of that book the hug who got stuck says teaching children how to connect from their heart. Um, uh, the boy who searched for silence, helping children find silence within the elephant who tried to tiptoe, reminding children to uh, be their true selves and love the body that they have. That elephant's not being herself when she's trying to tiptoe. Uh, I want those values to be alive in the home. I want them to be alive ex- on an extended basis, which is one of the reasons why we do a book of the month club. Because if you've set an intention as a parent to parent in a particular way, that intention will last about a month. Um, as we know, each year in first of January comes around, and then uh, and then life takes over. So I want to be able to support families on an ongoing basis in uh, uh, keeping their core values that they have as parents alive in their home. And so we we provide this on an ongoing basis for families. You know, as you were talking about the back of the book, and I remember when I was looking reading both of these books um, a couple of days ago. I flipped over to the back of The Hug Who Got Stuck, and I thought, I could take this and say, teaching adults to access their hearts and get free from sticky thoughts. <laughs> and then you, that's, it's like you're saying exactly what anybody needs to hear, you know, teaching men to access their hearts and get free from sticky thoughts. And this is where you and I cross paths in the work that we're doing, because, you know, with my man and masculinity work, it's about teaching men to go to that space where it's okay to be vulnerable and to get free from the masculine blueprints they think is what a man's supposed to be. I love that you're putting this in a space where those who are open to it, and we know it's the parents who need to become open to it. But what I find so fascinating about children's work is if you put either one of these books down in any bookstore or in any library and you just let them lay there, some kid 
is going to walk up to him and and if you guys could see this and I, i'm going to make sure there's some cover photos of these two books for sure on the page but the kid would see this hug illustration and just the cover alone even if the child couldn't read i guarantee you the kid would pick it up and start to thumb through it and then there's these beautiful hearts and these other characters the boy who searched for silence you know, some kid's going to look at this and go, oh, that, that's a boy. Oh, there's dogs and there's bunnies and frogs. Oh, there's an airplane and there's balloons. I think I want to open this. What's so beautiful is the kids can guide the parents to saying, hey, I need this. <laughs> you know, I need this. And the parents then are pulled into it. And I think as a parent myself, if I had seen these when my girls were growing up and knowing the journey I was on, because when my kids were young, I was in the conscious journey of coming out as a gay man. I would have been highly drawn to this because I know in my own search, what it was all about is it's so ironic that these are the two books <laughs> that I have is I was the boy who was constantly searching in silence because I wouldn't talk about who I really was. And in so many ways, what I was really looking for was a hug, but my hugs were all stuck because I didn't feel like I could reach out and hug people because what if I hug somebody, what would they think of me? What would that interpretation be? So this is so interesting that when you can relate something like this to children and allow the children to be the one that takes it to mom and dad and says, I want, you actually have impact on both the child and the parent would be my guess. And I want you to kind of share the story you told me just before we started recording this, because I had asked Andrew, I said, so what have you done since WDS this year? And you had a really amazing this is where the universe steps in, folks. You've heard me talk about universe stuff. You can say God, whatever you want to do. But this is one of those moments that he's going to describe as the universe just said, okay, well, let me take the wheel here for a minute. Okay, and turn and, okay, go. Because right. now you're where you're supposed to be and something amazing happened for you, man. So why don't you share that story? It, it really was amazing. I, I signed up. I do a lot of events with the books. And, I, and I'm trying to find my way into the teaching environment. So I signed up for a conference in Vegas to have a, an, an exhibition booth. Uh, the event was called Staff Development for Educators. And uh, it's a bit of a mishmash, and I say that energetically. Everybody and their dog is there, and there isn't like a, a central tenant to it. But when we were there, um, we met another exhibitor. Now, our booth is Conscious Stories, and their booth is Conscious Discipline. And mm. so we're like, hey, let's go and chat. Turns out Conscious Discipline, which is founded by Dr. Becky Bailey, has been at this for 20 years. She's, she has over a million copies of her kids' books out in the world. She has classroom education stuff. And Dr. Becky uh, was saying, hey, I'm doing my first conference ever. I've never run a conference. Um, I've attended lots. I've keynoted at many. We're running our first one. You've got to come. And she invited me from a 10-minute conversation that we had to come and address a thousand teachers. Mm. And I did story time uh, with a thousand teachers and we read, uh, I read the, the hug who got stuck uh, and a thousand teachers leapt out of their chairs and hugged each other for, for, for the most mm. magnificent five minutes. It was this amazing moment. Um, there I was uh, kind of uh, watching from, uh, uh, from the stage going, you know, will this happen? And that was one of the most amazing rooms I've ever been in. It It's some of the most exquisite um, adult child engagement techniques, language, uh, uh, communication that we were preparing uh, mm -hmm. teachers for their first six weeks at school. They're coming up with amazing 
pieces of wisdom. The favorite one that I heard that 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 time was my external language becomes your internal language. Mm, that's powerful. I, very powerful. Think about that. Think about the language that you took on from your, how it became your internal language, whose external language became your internal language. Wow. Um, because that's just, that's so powerful. I mean, it's, it's, you kind of got to wrap your head around it, but it's so impactful Hmm. because it is that here's what I just said. And now how do you take that in? It's very similar to um, a phrase that I love to use a lot when I'm coaching or every once in a while I'll throw it in a speech. What somebody says is all about them. What you hear is all about you. It's a very similar sort of thing. But I love this external language becomes your internal language, good or bad. It's so powerful when we can see these things and realize this is what having impact in the world is all about. Even a simple conversation, this conversation you and I are having even right now in this podcast is we're both externally putting out language and we're both internally taking in what each other is saying. And it may be happening right now in the moment, but I guarantee you knowing how you and I both think and operate, there'll be something that we walk away from this and it'll hit us five minutes after we're done, an hour or two days. There'll be something that go, oh yeah, I took that in from the conversation I had with Andrew or with Rick. And then it becomes part of our own internal barometer. Of how yeah. we look at this, this is what, this is what learning is, Rick. And more and more as, as you know, as we have the technology space to, for us to find anything, we don't need to learn anything now because Google can tell us it if we need to find it. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the, 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 the learning experience that we have. And this was you know, when I hit 28, I was a dysfunctional 28 year old and I had to learn how I wanted to be in the world, not what I wanted to do. Um, and I went out and I started uh, doing my own personal development work, my own uh, healing. I found my path and I, I was surrounded myself with people who could help me become uh, like a sane human being mm-hmm. with uh, and and so this is then the 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 transmission that I want to share and I've chosen stories to do that and these conversations help um like you you do the same thing you you're in a position to talk openly about what it is to be open you weren't able to do that however many years ago exactly still, still behind your um your own uh, process. But I'm curious, you just brought something up that I'd love to just explore a little bit is at 28, you realized you, you used the word dysfunctional and you realized you needed to go explore. What brought that realization to the forefront for you? Um, a crisis, frankly. And that crisis for me looked like I left the fourth generation family business. So mm-hmm. I had to work out who I was if I wasn't going to be a retail jeweler. Uh, and uh, and uh, I thank one of one of my ex girlfriends who who on the way out of the door said to me, "You have no idea what love is." And uh, mm-hmm. I thought, you know what, you're right. The first counseling session I ever had in my life, I walked in. She said, "Why are you here?" I said, "I have no idea what love is, and I want to work it out." Mm-hmm. That's so That's interesting because you and I had a very similar. You and I had a similar conversation at WDS this year when I asked you, what is it you, what's your big, bold move? And you said, I really want to have that amazing relationship. 
Yeah. It's so beautiful when you can see this stuff and you, the quest continues. And I think too many people give up on these quests. They know what they, they, well, first, they say they know what they want. They probably don't. They're just saying whatever the lip service is that will f suffice for their conscious or the people around them that they think, okay, I need to say something. But then when we give ourselves permission to step into it and go, okay, what is it I really want? It isn't the want, it's what is it I want to experience when I have that? Then we're getting somewhere. Then when you can be there and go, okay, this may happen overnight, probably not, but on occasion it might, but I'm going to be in this for the long haul. I'm going to continue the quest. I think too many people forget the quest and then they give up and then they're right back where they've been where, okay, I, I still don't have this. In fact, I was having a very similar conversation with a friend of mine the other day. He's like, I feel like I'm on this constant quest for a relationship. And the way he said it was like, I could hear he was like giving up. And I said, then quit the quest as is. It's a drudgery and make the quest fun. Right. And just that little bit, and I wasn't coaching him, I just, I was kind of, <laughs> actually, I wasn't even that nice. I'm like, girl, here's what you need to do, bitch. Quit making this surgery <laughs> and make it fun. That is exactly what I said to him. And of course, you know, he wanted to slap the shit out of me, but he's like, you know, you're right. I'm making this, there's nothing fun about this. And I think sometimes that's, again, where we relate back to this whole mindfulness and consciousness as a child. I think if we can have this impact on children, and I'm assuming your your books are really geared towards the four-year-old on up would be my guess, right? You know, they're starting to understand reading and that sort of stuff, right? Four to 85. Yep, exactly. Yeah. But if we can impact the kids starting at, let's say, four, and they begin to embrace this stuff, what a different way of being an adult these kids might be. Not saying they will, but there's that possibility just went up a hundredfold, I think because they're learning this stuff at such an early age. You know, you know, the hug who got stuck, the hugs coming out of the hug factory in the middle of the heart, it gets caught in the web of sticky thoughts. Sticky mm. thoughts, what are those? They're negative self-beliefs, but we've made it simple for kids. Nobody loves me. Nobody wants to play with me. They're mad at me. Those type of thoughts, when we have those thoughts, we, we start to back away. And there's nothing more painful for me than seeing a kid you know, feeling scared to be themselves because of a, a false belief or a thought. You know, let's show them that so that they can start to have these these common adult mindfulness narratives going, oh, hey, i got a sticky thought. Now I know how to get free of it. I take a breath. I reconnect with my heart. There it is. Okay. And from there, it's not such a big thing. And I'm back in the world. And look, here I am. Um, so I have a true confession to make here. I woke up with some really sticky thoughts this morning because I was overwhelmed by all the podcasts that I was going to be recording, not only for my podcast, but for other people's podcasts. I mean, I started this morning at like 7.30 this morning was my first podcast. I was on somebody else's and I'm laying in bed at like six going, okay, I should go to the gym. And of course, all the sticky thoughts started. I know, but I'm so tired. And if I rest, then I'll be better on the podcast. And oh, but then if I don't get up and go, then I'm going to feel bad because I didn't get to the gym. And if I don't get to the gym, then I'm still going to be a fat pig. And die. the whole thing just, just spiraled, right? Exhausting, right? Yeah. And so I finally just said, okay, I'm just going to get up and I'm just going to prepare for the day. And I walked in and I had put your books right and center on my desk because I'm like, I'm going to go through them one more time before we do this. And of course, the book that was on top was The Hug That Got Stuck. And I started laughing to myself. I'm like, well, isn't that ironic that I was just going through this? I actually used in my mind, I'm having a sticky thought. And I thought, 
I want to bring this up on the podcast because I think sometimes we go to our adult language. Well, you know, we have negative thoughts. We have thoughts about how we're not good enough. I'm like, what if us adults started going, so yeah, today I had like a thousand sticky thoughts and it was really gross. If we went back to talking to ourselves, just like we did as a child, even as I said that I had like goosebumps go through my body because I'm like, okay, I'm back to my child. We all have the inner child and I'm actually talking to my inner child in the voice the inner child can hear rather than, well, Rick, you're having negative thoughts. You need to have more <laughs> wholesome thoughts. You need to have thoughts that are much more adult. The child doesn't want to hear this. The child wants to hear, I'm having really sticky thoughts and it's yucky and I feel gross. Okay, yeah, we got it now. Now let's move on. Yeah. And, and, and you know, Rick, so, so let me take you back one step. You woke up into that this morning. Yep. Now, we could have started to preempt that problem last night. And this is where I'm big on the last 20 minutes of the day. Um, I watched that Mr. Rogers movie um, a day ago. If I was Mr. Rogers, I'd be singing you a little song going, it helps to tell your brain some good things at night. So when you wake up, you'll be thinking, right? You know, that's it. You can, you can plug into your brain for eight hours before you go to sleep. You get to tell your brain what it is you want to wake up into um, so that you can wake up in the morning going, ah, I feel safe. I feel confident. I know my day is busy because I've already had a look at it last night. <sighs> yep. I'm ready for my day. Yep. Exactly. It's beautiful stuff. And I love the last 20 minutes. And whether you spend 20 minutes reading something like this or you meditate or you lay there and just go, I'm grateful for tomorrow because tomorrow I get six solid, actually in one case, two hour podcast with somebody, I get eight hours of doing absolutely what I love to do. And had I had said that last night, as you just suggested, I probably would have woke up in a completely different space. Instead, yeah. I went through a whole weekend and we were just going and going and going and going and going. By the time I got to bed last time, I, was, I just want to go to sleep. I don't want And I know when I stop and pause, and even though I did my little meditation last night, I wasn't fully there. Because all I could think about is, I've got a long day tomorrow. Instead of saying, I've got a cool day tomorrow, I'm doing one of the things I enjoy doing most in my business, which is being on podcasts and reporting, recording podcasts. Mm -hmm. And it would have been, as you said, a completely different day. So, um, so let's talk about what's next, because I know you've got some cool stuff happening right now. You've got some book stuff happening, some crowdfunding, all this sort of stuff. And I don't want to take away everything. I want to hear it in your own voice. So tell everybody what's yeah. going on for you. I mean, this is just such an amazing month that we're in now. Every year, August, September, we launch new titles. Um, right now on Kickstarter, there are two books being uh, being launched. Uh, this uh, amazing story called We Are Circle People. Uh, this, this is helping children to find connection and belonging in the modern day village uh, where we, we've kind of lost our, our natural circles. Uh, in the story, a mysterious visitor comes from a faraway place and, and he arrives into the square village, bringing with him this long forgotten wisdom and weaving some beautiful healing melodies, which are the melodies of circles. And, mm -hmm. and uh, the readers will get to follow the visitors' adventures through dreamland and fire and see what happens to the square people as their sharp corners begin to soften and they rediscover connection, softness, and happiness. Uh, that... Um, uh, is a story that's been been brewing in the background for a couple of years. It's illustrated by Alexis Aronson. She's one of the core illustrators in the story club. 
And she's also illustrated a story called The Girl with Waterfall Eyes. And this one is all about helping children to see the special essence of themselves and the other people around them in the world. Uh, it's a dreamlike fantasy of a young girl who walks on the earth, spreading light and happiness through her own eyes. Um, but when night comes, she loses her balance and she falls off the world, uh, tumbling through the universe past black holes and galaxies. Uh, and uh, I, uh, it's got a beautiful ending. I don't want to tell you and spoiler no, alert. No, no spoiler alerts here. But uh, these, uh, these two stories for me, again, bringing together connection, sense of safety and belonging for children, safety to be themselves, seeing the essence of the world, um, seeing other people's uh, beauty. Uh, all of the stories have got a breathing practice. It starts story time. We call it snuggle breathing. They mm -hmm. all end with an activity page. Uh, these activity pages are helping create circles, helping connect eye to eye with the goal, who, what, goal with a girl with waterfall eyes. Mm. That's amazing, man. Just love yeah, it. And folk love can it. jump onto Kickstarter and look for conscious stories on Kickstarter and, and, and find that we'd love to have uh, support. And there's some amazing pre-launch specials there. The books will be out pre-Christmas. Uh, pre so okay. this is your Christmas gift shopping a little bit early. Today. There you go. That's an awesome thing. And Andrew doesn't know that I'm going to do this, um, but... I have the two books that we've been talking about, The Hug Who Got Stuck and The Boy Who Searched for Silence. And he was so beautiful to gift these over to me when we were at WDS and we had talked about him being on the podcast. And one of the things I feel like is a bold move of living your life uncloseted is to not hold on to anything as if it's permanently yours. And what I would love to do is anybody who will send me, first two people, Send me a note, say, I heard Andrew, and I would love a, one of his books. I will wrap one of these books up to you and send it right off to you as a gift from both Andrew and I for listening to the show. So we got two of them to give away. Um, I'd love to do that. So whoever is listening would like one of these books, even if you don't have children, read it. Please do. <laughs> um, I'd love to gift these out because I feel like giving back and giving out is a great way to continue to just uncloset yourself from stuff that you get hung up on because I think too often we get hung up, hung up on this is mine I need to keep this sometimes you need to let things go and um, I know this will come back tenfold and also please do jump on Kickstarter help him continue to put conscious stories out there in the world and um, you know what man I just I'm so glad we connected but before we wrap everything up here what is it that you would love to just share with the audience one last time before we say, you know, we're going to go have some conscious bedtime before we go. But what would be something you'd love to share with the audience about how to really step in and do this kind of work? Um, my, my fallback in life is always onto breath. Mm -hmm. And whether it's in the last 20 minutes of the day, paired breathing is the fastest way to create connection. Mm -hmm. um, looking in the eyes of the person you love will keep you feeling like you belong, like you're safe, like you're part of the world, and that goes out to them. Uh, I learned uh, that before any action, this is Dr. Becky Bailey's, but it's also mine, take a breath, mm -hmm. pause, um, and wish well of um, the person who's in front of you, no matter the age. Mm -hmm. And when we can start and put that little pause into those spaces, um, our relationships become so much richer and 
and intimate. Mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect place to end. So, man, just I love having you in my life. So glad we've connected. And again, folks, if you would like one of these books, email me at rick at rickclemens.com. And these two books will find some new homes and hopefully you'll read them, share them, and then maybe you will pass them on too. So um, thanks so much for being here, brother. Hope to see you again really soon and appreciate you taking the time to just do the work you're doing in the world to make it a better place. Right back at you, Rick. Thank you so much. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.